0: Your
1: husband's about looking look you all about eating now. Uh, I'm getting there. Not perfect, but a lot better.
0: You do know, to surprised yeah. Yeah. more people didn't want to go to the movies. Uh, my wife out a I, have uh, I, uh, dog. I play with Three days? Uh, I know. just to watch the movie.
1: Good morning, everyone. Please stand with us. Break, as broken hearts declare His praise. Oh, who can stop the Lord? Every knee will bow.
2: Everybody have a seat. I know. I know. It's practically a Pentecostal church now. Uh, What I want you to do, uh, first of all, if you're a guest, right now what would normally happen is we would normally uh, just converge on you and greet you and welcome you and, and tell you how glad we are that you're here. And that is still true, but we are going to do something a little bit differently right now. Um, I don't know when Veterans Day is. Some people celebrated Friday. Some people celebrated Saturday. We're going to celebrate right now. And what I want to do is if you've served in our, in our U.S. Armed Forces, would you please stand? All right. Don't go. Don't, don't, don't sit down. We are... We are grateful for your service. Don't sit down. I want you, if you are look, if you were standing or sitting, and you look around, you see somebody standing up next to you. That means that they uh, they served in one of our one of our uh, service branches, and we are thankful for their service. But what I want you to do is to uh, make it a point for the folks that are standing next to you and around you. I want you to go to them if they're close to you, and be sure to thank them right now. So instead of looking for people you don't know and that sort of thing, I want you to look at people you do know and go thank them for their service right now. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. If
1: you please stand with us again. Yeah!
2: Right. Well, good morning, boys and girls. How is everybody doing today? Good. I'm so happy to hear that. So, I was rummaging around. You guys know what it means to rummage? No? Well, good. You'll learn here in just a second. I was rummaging around in a church closet. That's when you're kind of digging around, not really knowing what you're looking for. Maybe if your room's a mess. Maybe that's just kind of how you naturally work, is you rummage around in your room because your room's a mess. Um, Well, I was rummaging through this church closet, and I found, as best I can tell... Now, I could be wrong. I think I found parts of the armor of God. Right? So look here. I've got a bag full of helmets of salvation. <laughs> you you want to? Okay. Let's see here. Let's see here. I, I don't want to put a bow on, one on somebody's head with a bow here. Let's see here. Whoop oh, <laughs> whoop. Let's see here. Let's see, I need, a bigger, I need a bigger noggin, a bigger pumpkin for this one. You got a big pumpkin? There you go. Put that on your big pumpkin there. All right. All right, so I found, a, I found a box full of the helmet of salvation. I couldn't find the sword of the Spirit. That's probably good because I don't know that I'd want to give you guys swords this morning. Um, couldn't find any breastplates of righteousness. A little short on the shoes of the gospel of peace. Uh, but I would clearly found helmets of salvation, right? Well, what's the problem here? What's the problem? What's the problem? I don't have enough for everybody. So, one, two, three, four of you guys are okay. What about the rest of us? What are we supposed to do? We don't have the helmet of salvation to put on our head. Could it possibly be that maybe the Bible's not talking about a actual hard hat when it tells us to put on the armor of God, That that it may actually be telling us something a little bit different. You're already strong. Uh, I already got a hard head, right? So, so when the Bible tells us that we are to put on the helmet of salvation, it's not actually telling us that we should go get a helmet and put on top of our heads. It's actually teaching us something different. It's actually teaching us that that we are protected. We are protected by God through. These these sort of defensive things, like a helmet and a breastplate, it's kind of like a chest protector. Maybe if you've seen a football player, like shoulder pads that kind of cover them up. It's just, it, it's all parts of armor that a soldier would wear into battle, because the Bible wants us to understand something, that we are really kind of in a battle, okay? Now I know you guys may not have had to fight anybody this morning. If you did have to fight your brother or sister, you shouldn't have. But the Bible teaches us that we're in a very serious spiritual battle, that that. That we who who love the Lord are are eager to serve Him, the Bible wants us to understand that there that there's real enemies that want to stop that. Okay, real enemies that want to stop that and stop it by putting things in front of our path to make us to tempt us into sin, by distracting us from what God would have us to do, by by making us think about things that we ought not be thinking about. And so the Bible wants us to put on this this armor. Now it's not a real armor but it is an armor that we should be putting on to help us understand the fight that we're in and to protect us against the enemy who wants to distract us, okay? Let's pray together. God, thank you that we don't have to walk around with an actual hard hat on when we put on the armor of God, but we do have to, to equip ourselves to, to, to face the battle that's in front of us, Lord. God, we know that, that Satan wants to distract us and, and, and take our minds off of Jesus. He wants to put things in our pathway that would, would keep our focus where it ought not be. So, Lord, let us put on that armor, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the, the belt of truth, the sword of the Spirit, the, the shield of faith, the shoes of the gospel, God, that we would be ready to do battle uh, in our day to day life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you,
0: guys. Stand,
2: As we share God's word together this morning from Ephesians chapter 6, Ephesians chapter 6, I'll be in verse 10 today, mostly Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, I'll read all the way through verse 13. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all, to stand firm. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you, God, for how it teaches and instructs us. Thank you, God, for the the relevance of your word, God, and how it uh, touches us where we are in so many different days and times. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. The um, The tragedy in Sutherland Springs last Sunday has left a, left a lot of mixed feelings in various ways. and A lot of churches are having to ask very serious questions about what what they can do to ensure that the guests and members of the church are safe when they gather for worship. You've noticed that there's a Coweta County deputy on our property today who is uh, who is here just to provide a, a reassuring presence uh, in a very uh, uncertain day. We, of course, worry about copycats and things like that. And, and any time we gather in a large gathering, there's always an inherent degree of risk, or at least there now is a degree of risk. A long time ago, there wasn't but it seems that today there is. Um, And so be sure to thank our deputy before you leave this morning. Our church is, of course, no different. We've been asking questions this week about what we can do, how we can respond. We have to exercise wisdom and prudence in these conversations. However, our knee-jerk reaction to events like what happened in Texas, typically speaking, that knee-jerk reaction is not the most responsible nor the most beneficial. As you very well know, security is a very difficult balance between sacrificing and conveniences and, and liberty, personal autonomy. No one likes taking their shoes off at the airport, but we sacrifice that convenience for the sake of security. Likewise, if uh, someone who's a part of TSA takes their job too far and pats us down more than they should or, or violates our privacy when there's no just reason to be suspicious, we of course reject those kinds of acts. At our church, we believe it's inconvenient to have to check your kids in at a computer kiosk before you take them to the nursery. But it's an understandable inconvenience because we recognize that it's a security measure to help make sure that the kids at our youngest congregants are safe and sound when they go into their classes. I heard Robert Jeffers, the controversial pastor of First Baptist Church of Dallas, talking the other night that their church is at a place where they don't even allow backpacks in their church's sanctuary. That's where they've had to go, and he doesn't help the matter by bringing controversial figures and things like that, and, and so, so, but that's where they have gotten to, and of course, we continue to ask those questions as security is always something that has to be reconsidered as we learn more and as those we seek to protect against learn more. Isn't it interesting how the scripture comes to us at such a time as this, that in a time where people are nervous, understandably so, where people are, are a little little uneasy about what's taking place in the world around us, that we would come to a passage of Scripture without plan, without, without recognizing the time of, of this, but we would come to a passage of Scripture that challenges us to indeed put on the armor of God. As we begin this last thematic section of our study through Ephesians, it's interesting that it takes on a decidedly militaristic tone. We begin in verse 10 with the word finally. After beginning this at the first Sunday in January, we finally come to the word finally. It's been a long and and detailed study. Hopefully you've learned much through the course of studying this. I have thoroughly enjoyed teaching this. But we get to the word finally. And Paul's final warnings, in light of everything that's happened, in light of all the teaching that Paul has given to the church, Paul's final words of instruction are be strong in the Lord to put on the full armor of... God, we progress from talking about relationships within the body, what husbands and wives and parents and children and slaves and slave owners, what those relationships should look like, what those dynamics should, how those dynamics should materialize. And Paul jumps immediately into this conversation about wearing armor. But the first thing that Paul would challenge us about here is that our true battle, ladies and gentlemen, I hope we understand this today, our true battle is not against flesh and blood. Our true battle is not against flesh and blood. And this is hard for us to understand today. This is difficult for us to grasp because we can see existential, tangible threats in our lives there are truly threats that we can see that we can lay our eyes on we can see the crazy estranged son-in-law we can or in the case of what happened in charleston the lunatic alt-right racist that showed up in an african-american congregation we can see those threats those are tangible real threats Beyond just the threat of physical violence, we can see various factions of liberalism that are seeking to put their thumb on the, uh, on the Christian church, who are seeking to put the boot on the throat of the Christian church. We can see those very real factions that exist today. There are people in our world today that would rather we not exist and would rather we not gather for worship today. They're, they're real. They may, in fact, even be in our own community like it. Or not. Those are real threats that we can touch, that we can hear, that we can see. We know that there are real threats from government overreach. We know that that is a real threat. And there are real places in the world today where there is real persecution from real people in our world today. And we see all these threats, and, and I don't know about you, but these aren't spiritual threats. These are very real, physical, tangible threats that, that churches across the world face on a week-to-week basis. There is no denying that these are real flesh and blood threats. But let's be careful that we not allow our temporary residence here on this earth to cloud our eternal perspective. Let's not allow our temporary home, this temporary place that we call earth, to cloud our eternal perspective because there is more going on, that meets the eye. There is a battle that is taking place. There is a backstage that we don't have access to. And while it is wise and prudent to take necessary steps to ensure that we as a people have mitigated risks, we need to make sure that we are equipped for the battle that rages just beyond the edge of that which we can see. We spend much time equipping ourselves in the flesh for risks in the flesh. How many of you have insurance on your home to cover for risks in this world? We all do. We spend exorbitant amounts of time and money and energy and effort preparing ourselves for risks, mitigating risks in the flesh. Paul says our real battle is not against flesh and blood, but that there's a spiritual battle that's taking place. And while it is wise and prudent to take steps to protect things here in this flesh, things that we can taste, things that we can touch, things that we can see, things that we can hear, Paul challenges us to think beyond those things. And he concludes this time in this letter with this challenge today. To be strong in the Lord. And in the strength of His might, I'm going to be honest. This is difficult for me to comprehend because I know how strong my God is. Okay, I know how mighty my God is. We remember the old song, "What a Mighty God We Serve." We used to sing that happy, clappy praise song, "What a Mighty God We Serve." You know, and there's the motions, right? Uh, we sing that, but it doesn't do that song justice. Today I asked our worship team and asked Curtis to sing songs that emphasize the battle and the victory and the strength and power and might of our God. And we sang some phenomenal songs, but I'm going to be honest. I have a difficult time comprehending how strong my strong God is. And the fact that Paul challenges me to stand not in my strength, but in His? I don't know that I can... Wrap my, wrap my arms around that. That's a, that's a thought that's, that's bigger than, I, than me. I don't know that I can comprehend that. But sometimes in order to understand an idea, it helps us to understand the opposite of that idea. So if we understand what it isn't, it helps us to better understand what it is. Well, what do I mean by that? Well, I mean that, that our physical strength will fail. Guess what? Your strength is going to fail you. Right? Some of you say, Pastor, it failed today. <laughs> your, your strength is going to fail you. It fails with age. It fails with disease. It fails with exhaustion. You ever been there? Where you, you, you've got strength, but you're just too exhausted. Right? You just, at the end of the day, you know that there's other things that need to be done. But I just don't have the physical strength to carry on. And what looks the best to me right now at this moment is my bed. Ever been there before? Some of you are there every day. Because you just are exhausted. We understand that our strength will fail us. Even those who are capable of some of the greatest challenges of endurance ever. They will eventually fail. Although some of y'all have taken off a little early. Yeah, I'll show you what I mean. This lady here is 91 years old. 91. Some of y'all are like I done broke a hip. 91 years old, her name is, she's German, so I would say it Johanna Quass, but I'm sure it's got a Johanna or something like that. 91 years old, she's the oldest gymnast in the world, uh, and she's still going strong. So, guess what? <laughs> her physical strength is going to fail her one day. It may be 20 years from now, <laughs> but it will fail it will fail. And we, we know that there are people who are capable of some remarkable feats of endurance. Even those people, their strength will fail. But not just our physical strength. How many of us know that our emotional, our intellectual resolve will also give out? Have you ever been there before where there's no emotional strength left? Ever been there? you got nothing left. You, you may be, have the physical endurance to go on, but emotionally you're just tapped out. Intellectually, you ever been there, students, where you've been you've needed to study for a test, and and there comes that breaking point to where you say I can't fit any more in. There's no not enough coffee or Red Bull or monster energy drinks to open the brain cells more to feet, to fit more information in there. It happens. I've been there before. We know that our strength gives out. When I look at what happened in Sutherland Springs, I have to admit, it'd be real easy to give up. It'd be real easy to sleep in today. It'd be real easy to say, I'm going to go do something else. Do you know what happened? This week, First Baptist Church Sutherland Springs repaired their sanctuary and turned it into a memorial for the 27 lives that were lost. The media reports 26, but one of the women who was killed was pregnant with an unborn baby, and so the media only reports that 26 people were killed. Can we agree there were 27? They turned their sanctuary into a memorial, patched the holes in the walls, cleaned the blood off the carpet, and opened it to the community for a place of, remembering the, the dead. On Friday, the church reopened its food pantry and served 30 families. It's the only food pantry in Sutherland Springs, and they fed 30 families on Friday. And this morning, in a baseball field nearby under a donated tent from the event center somewhere from the Pacific Northwest, I believe it was Washington, they're going to have Sunday services in a tent that will seat 1,000 people. You know what I bet? I bet it will be standing room only. That's not human strength, folks. That's not standing in my own physical strength. The pastor's going to speak today after burying his 14-year-old daughter. That's not physical strength. And when Paul says, stand in the strength of the Lord and in the power of His might, this is what he's talking about. When everything we've got is exhausted, when there's nothing left, we stand in the power of His might. This doesn't make sense from a human perspective. It doesn't make sense. When the odds are stacked against us, when the enemy is at the gates, what could possibly compel martyrs to sing the praises of Jesus on their way to their execution? What could explain the biblical call for us as followers of Jesus to consider it pure joy in the midst of our trials? That doesn't make sense to a lost, dying world. But Paul says, stand. Paul says, stand. Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10. It says, the joy of the Lord is your strength. In Isaiah, or in Nehemiah chapter 8, the people of Israel were broken because they had had the Word of God read to them and they they knew they weren't living up to the standards and so they were broken. But Nehemiah challenged the people that they should find joy and celebrate. He tells folks to go home and, and have a feast because they found the Word of God and they were broken because of the Word of God. What a day to celebrate when you recognize your brokenness, when you recognize your inadequacies and you realize that there is only one answer. That's a day to celebrate. And Nehemiah says the joy of the Lord is your strength. One commentator said this, Is it not good to belong to a God that makes gladness the pathway to power? Satan is a very gloomy God. But Jesus said rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven. Here's the truth. Our joy is not affected by any weapon formed against us. Our joy is not affected by any weapon formed against us. Romans chapter five verse two says that our joy is based in the hope that we have because we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And so I find the strength to stand not on the basis of my ability or my resolve, but my strength is found in the hope that I have in Jesus. So even if my strength is gone, even if my life is drained from me little by little, I am resolved to finish the fight because of the promise that is set before me. Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 17 and 18 that this momentary light affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. This light affliction is what Paul calls it. Regardless of what our sufferings, what our trials, what our tragedies are, it is but a light affliction compared to the promise that is set before us. I stand strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might because I know that all of His promises are good. I love what Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. For all of the promises of God find their yes in Him. That is why it is through Him that we utter our Amen to God for His glory. I stand because I have a God who keeps His Word and honors His promises. And in Jesus, every promise God has made, the answer is yes and Amen. Though flesh and blood may steal my happiness, and though this body may fail and succumb to its own frailties, and even though the forces of evil and darkness in this world should succeed at taking my very life, they cannot steal my joy. And they will not take my strength. Because my strength is not found in me. My strength is found in Jesus. And they cannot negate my hope that is found in Christ and Christ alone. Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 8 through 10, that we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are persecuted, but we are not forsaken. We are struck down, but we are not destroyed. We always carry in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. Maybe that's how you feel today. Struck down, afflicted, perplexed, persecuted. But church, I want to tell you today that though you may feel that way, you are not driven to despair. You have not been forsaken and you have not been destroyed because there is a God who keeps His Word. So this is where we find ourselves. In a world that wishes we would simply give up. (laughs) But the world fails to recognize that giving up is simply not In our character. So we take these battered, bruised bodies each and every day to the battlefield and we stand. But we don't stand by our own strength, for if we stand by our own strength, we shall surely fail. Because what we actually find is that our fight is better fought from our weaknesses. For we know that in our weakness, God's power is perfected. And so, our battles actually fought where we don't have any strength at all. Our battle is fought where we feel lo- where we've been defeated, where we feel lost, where we feel hopeless. That's where our battle is fought the strongest. Because we know that the battle is actually won all the mightier when the enemy has us surrounded, when the demonic horde of Satan is charging at our flank, and when the fiery archers of hell are raining down on us. That's where we stand. Not in our strength, but in his. We stand. But we don't stand unprotected. For our heads are protected with the helmet of salvation. Our hearts are protected with the breastplate of righteousness. Our feet are made swift with the shoes of the gospel. Fastened around our waist, securing our armor in its place is the belt of truth. With the shield of faith, we extinguish the the hot arrows of hell. And we win our battles with our one weapon which is the sword of spirit, the word of God. Where do you find your strength today? Maybe in your career? Maybe in your family? Maybe in your talents? How do you stand when those things fail? is watching... I don't know if y'all saw that injury to the tight end that played for the Bears a couple of weeks ago. we ran up for a pass in the end zone, and his knee went contrary to the direction that a knee is intended to go, uh, like the other way. And it was such a catastrophic injury that they had to do surgery to save his leg from being amputated. Ruptured the artery, did such damage to the to the ligaments that. If they didn't, they didn't operate when they did, he could have lost his leg. He'll never play football again. His strength is in his ability to catch passes on the football field. He didn't have anything left. There are many in this room today that you find your strength, your, your source of strength is in some sort of identifying characteristic of you. And it may be your job, it may be your position, it may be your abilities, and there are people in this room where if those things were taken from you, you feel like you wouldn't have anything left. Translation, that means that you are standing in your own strength. We don't stand in our own strength as Jesus followers. We stand in in his. So even when the body is weak, even when things begin to fail, even when all the things that we hold dear in this life are taken away, we still have the strength to stand, even if we can only stand on our knees, and even if 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 our frailties have taken away our ability to do anything but lay in bed, we still stand by his power and by his might. Because the joy of the Lord is our strength. And our joy is secured by our hope in His promises. There are some of you here today who have no strength because you have no joy. And you have no joy because you simply lack trust in God's promises and His ability to keep His word. That's what it boils down to, right? If you're, still, if you're here and you're not a follower of Jesus, that's what it really boils down to. You either believe Him or you don't. You either trust that He can do what He says He can do or you don't. And, and ultimately, salvation rests in, do you believe God is able to do what that which He says He does? If you're here today and you're continuing to run from the Gospel, if you're continuing to run from surrendering your life to Jesus, it comes down to a simple matter of belief or unbelief. Believe he'll do what he says he'll do? Or don't you? Are you willing to take the risk to pursue your unbelief? There are those in this room today who today need to finally, seriously confront their unbelief. Do you believe God's able to or not? If he's not, then what do you keep tiptoeing around the edges for? And if he is, then what are you waiting on? Let today be the day that you give your life to Jesus, that you stop standing in your own strength, and begin to stand in his. Would you pray with me, please? God I am I am weak but thou art strong I have nothing and you have everything and when I think I'm something God let me be mindful that I am nothing God, we first and foremost pray for those in Texas who are meeting for worship. Perhaps even in the next few minutes. Oh God, would it be a day of salvation? Lord, with the sacrifices of those men and women in that church, children, God, would you use it for your glory that the kingdom might grow exponentially? And God, I pray for us. As we continue to go about our our work, our business, our lives, God, that we would recognize our absolute and utter dependence on You. God, would we know where our joy comes from? Would we understand the hope that we have, God? Would we believe You when You say You'll do what You promised to do? And so God, help us to stand. Not in our strength, but in yours. Because regardless of how weak we are in our own strength, we recognize that we can be used by you to accomplish great and mighty things. God, I pray for those gathered here today who are not followers of Jesus. God, that they would stop tiptoeing around their unbelief, God. And that today they would recognize that You are able to do everything that You say You can do, God. That You can bring that sinner home to faith and trust in Jesus. God, that they recognize today that if their life were demanded from them, that they might stand before a holy God without an excuse, without an answer. But God, for those who are in Christ, when that day comes and we stand before Jesus, we stand not by our own righteousness, not by anything that we have done or accomplished, but we stand covered in the blood of Jesus, pleading the cross. Because that is where our hope lies. And so God, would you change the hearts of the unbelievers in the room today? And call them to God help us to stand, wearing the full armor of God, to the glory of God, that our lives might reflect something of who You are. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to stand and have a time of invitation. I'm particularly concerned about the unbeliever who is in our room today, who needs to give their life to Jesus. Don't let today pass without making that decision to follow Jesus to. To repent of your disbelief and to understand Jesus is exactly who He says He is. We're going to stand together. If that's you and you want to give your life to Christ, you come down in just a minute here and say, Pastor, I want to give my life to Jesus today. Let's stand together and sing.
0: Living for Jesus, a life that is true, striving.
2: Seated for just a minute, I'm gonna ask BJ to come up here and uh, share for a minute. Uh, just a just a word of thanks when he comes up uh, for all the folks who helped with our upward season this year. Uh, just a just a great season. God blessed us with a with a tremendous. Uh, we had a had a Muslim family uh, in our in our upward season this year, and so so you all were part of sharing the gospel with uh, with a with a Muslim uh, Islamic family. We had uh, had a Mormon family on my team, and. And I think David had a Mormon family on his team. I think it was the same family. But uh, but so, so God's using that athletic program to, to reach into some places where, um, where where there aren't a lot of things reaching. And so we're thankful for all those who had a part in volunteering in that capacity. Beth, you did a great job uh, directing this year. We're grateful for your, for your leadership this year. And uh, so we appreciate uh, all those who had a part in that. Uh,
3: Oswald Chambers said, prayer does not equip us for the greater work, but prayer is the greater work. And um, today we heard an excellent sermon on uh, spiritual warfare and and preparing ourselves uh, to engage in that. Um, This past Thursday, I met with several of the youth pastors and FCA sponsors and coordinators in our our area uh, with concern for how we move forward as, as was mentioned from the pulpit last week, uh, received a letter from the Freedom uh, from Religion Foundation uh, to our schools, and the and then the uh, superintendent sent out a school sent out a letter or, or memo to the school system. So, how, how do we move forward? Because we don't we're not going to stop sharing the gospel, but how do we move forward in, in light of all of this? Um, and so, uh, just just two things really quickly. One is sometimes the the devil thinks he's doing something and he doesn't realize that uh, how resilient the, the uh, church is, just as an example in uh, Texas today. Um, but also, uh, it's, a, it's, it's a stronger emphasis now that students are the ones that are carrying the gospel to their fellow classmates. And so that's, that's, our, that's our drive, that's our motive, that's what we want to see happen. Uh, but I do want to mention to you Uh, that the idea of of prayer Um, this coming Thursday night if you're if you are available and I want to get this right it's um, I believe it's at East Coweta's uh, high school stadium someone correct me if I'm wrong that's that Garland Shoemake Stadium and uh, okay at at East Coweta High School at 7 o'clock in their football stadium is a community-wide prayer rally and I don't think there's any agenda other than to get our community together across socioeconomic, any kind of uh, b- that, nothing. It's just want to gather believers and pray for, uh, for, for our community. And I would encourage you to be a part of that. Um, and I encourage you to be a part of praying for your community every day. But I just wanted to let you know about that. So um, with that, thank you.
2: Just a couple of quick things. Don't forget next Sunday morning uh, at Radiff right the Morning Worship Service, we we'll worship around tables next, next week as uh, we have our, our Thanksgiving celebration. Uh, we'll be sharing the Lord's Supper together around the table, so it'll be a, a neat experience there. Um, we uh, need everybody to bring sides. we got desserts and, and meat and drinks covered. Uh, we need everybody to bring sides. We need particularly some folks who, who make some good dressing uh, to, to do that. So, uh, so if, you, if you are a, a dressing cook, if you're from the north, it's called stuffing. It's not the same thing. Um, so uh, uh, I, I apologize uh, if I've offended you. But uh, but I don't know what stuffing is. Uh, that's the stuff that came in a box that uh, that doesn't taste as good. Um, we we also uh, need some folks to help with uh, turkeys, and I have in my hands here a, a turkey ticket. Uh, this is this is what I need you to take for me. If you'd like to be part of cooking a turkey, I need you to take a turkey ticket. The turkeys will be here on Wednesday. Uh, you can grab it during the day on Wednesday. Uh, give us till give us till lunchtime or so, uh, or Wednesday night at church. We need you to cook it and all the stuff that you gotta do to eat it. So don't bring a bird in here with his legs sticking out. We need meat on a plate ready to eat, okay? We don't have time or, or space to carve these things. And so, while you may be the most proficient turkey carver in the country, I'm not interested in your carving skills. Take a video and put it on YouTube. Instead, we need meat on a plate so we can eat it, okay? Is that clear? Take a turkey ticket if you'd like to cook a turkey. Some of y'all are, are excellent turkey cooks, and so take a turkey ticket. Uh, take a turkey ticket. Yes, Robin? All right, very good. So uh, so I'll have these at the back door. Say, Pastor, I'd like a turkey ticket. Now I'll be glad to hook you up. So uh, I do believe that is all. Ryan McMichael, would you mind coming up and dismissing us in prayer, please?